Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question. So what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big and ultimately how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. This episode, I was delighted to share a conversation with Jacinta McDonald. Jacinta is co-founder of Anytime Fitness here in Australia. She's founder of Humankind Project, a charity partner working with a number of charities and connecting corporates with what it means to profit with purpose, and is also the founder of Urban Yoga, described as being yoga with a pulse. What I loved about our conversation with Jacinta is when we got into the conversation about what it means to say no and how important it is for her to set time aside for what matters and space for her to get clear and creative in the work that she does. I know that you're going to love this conversation as much as I love spending time with Jacinta. Welcome Jacinta, great to have you here, great to be hanging out with you. You too. Um, look, you, you're a fair mover and shaker and there's a whole lot that's been part of who you are and your career, what you've done uh, and what you've embraced over the years. And you've got what I know about you is you've just got this drive and this passion for just getting in and ripping in and getting stuff done. Has that always been part of kind of who you are? Yeah, I think um, always been, you know, always had my own businesses. So I've never really had the drive to have a job or work for somebody. So I've always wanted to create something. And I think, I think as part of, as part of wanting to create something, you've always just got to then, okay, well, what needs to get done and just, and I'm just going to go and do that. So I think I've always, I've always been like that. And I think, um, that probably comes from my dad in terms of, you know, growing up, he always, he was always an entrepreneur and always had businesses. And, and I think I just enjoy the creation so much that I just find myself doing a lot and just, and, and I guess wanting to progress and move things pretty quickly. So I, th- I think I've always been, yeah, I've always been like that. And just getting in and ripping, getting stuff done. Like, I guess I've seen you even go, oh, here's a really great idea. Oh, it'll just happen. Yeah. I'll figure that out along the way. Yeah. Um, I think, I think sometimes we can paralyze ourselves by wanting to have everything in place before we actually start something. And I think that um, I've never been one for over planning, um, which which sometimes makes, you know, challenges for yourself in terms right, of you, you'll yeah. jump in and then be like, oh, crap, what did I, why, have I, why have I started <laughs> Where did that? I go? Um, but I think that's, that's just how I prefer to be, like make a decision, move on that and then work things out as you go along versus trying to know everything. Because you never know anything anyway, even if you have the greatest plan in the world, yeah. it's probably never going to plan, you know, ever, ever turn out that way. Yeah, right. So, so I try is... not to think too far ahead. I just try and think, what well, you know, what do I really, what do I really want to do? What's my next step? And then, and then decide from that next step, what's the next step from there. So I think that's, I find that easier to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. So fascinating in terms of actually going, hey, this is where I want to go. Um, but, and I'm kind of going to wing it with a bit of an idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, where has that served you really well? And have there any, been any times where you actually go, oh, actually your plan would have been really good. Yeah, there. so I think with I think with starting a business, um, it can go either way. So I think you know having a great idea and then not having you know a really substantial plan can obviously go pear shaped. Um, which you know I've had unsuccessful businesses before any time, and 
that's where it would have served me to have, you know, like a longer term plan. And, and I've always done enough research to give myself comfort that what I'm, what my idea is has, has legs. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, with, there's no guarantees with any business. You could have the best well, day, well laid out plan and it still yeah. not work. So um, I think with any time, you know, we, there was a lot of planning because we were bringing something from the US and we had, you know, a, a pretty big agreement with the US. We had to have a, a fair bit of structure around around launching that into the country. So I think, um, and my brother's really structured. So at that time that was kind of done for me, which was great. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't have happened without the sense of let's just do this with that, without that thought of this is just what we're doing and we'll just work everything out. So I think it served me sometimes. Usually it does serve me and then a few yeah. times it, it really hasn't. But then I always question, was it just the wrong business at the wrong time or was it actually planning? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. A big part of what you've done is really kind of challenge different industries and that was something that you did as the co-founder of any time, actually bringing that out from the US because that was one of the first... 24-hour gyms, is that yeah. right? Yeah, Here so in Australia? at the time, yeah, the time in the industry, it definitely wasn't something that was accepted as that was normal in Australia yeah. and it was something that I guess was even looked at as something that was just in the US and wasn't really going to work here. Hmm. Um, but our belief was it absolutely was going to work here and that's what was needed in the industry. So I think, you know, we were lucky that we were, the I guess, the, the only people that saw that and took the opportunity to bring it in. And um, I think sometimes you just need to have faith that your vision of what needs to happen is correct and not listen to well, all the industry people at the time are telling us it wasn't going to work. So Yeah, and I guess I'm really fascinated by how do you do that because you've also now done the same with the yoga industry. So you've launched Urban Yoga, which is really doing yoga in a very different way and probably introducing people who might be a bit scared or a bit apprehensive about how yoga is done. Yeah. Um, because, and you're now doing it in a very unique and disrupting how that's kind of doing. So how have you dealt with those kind of pushbacks where people will go, oh, this isn't going to work? Um, and have there been any times where you've actually gone, this this isn't working, maybe they're right? I think, um, I think you're always going to get pushback from an industry that has been running in a certain way because they don't, they obviously don't see what you see um, and they don't really want you to be successful because it's then going to change their industry. So the way that we've always looked at it has been, what does a consumer actually want? Like what are the, what are the pain points of someone coming into a traditional fitness centre, you know, eight years ago when we started and is that serving the larger grade of the community? Um, and it wasn't. It was serving mm. the fitness industry for it to be in a certain way, but the actual people participating didn't actually want what was being delivered to them, but they didn't have any options. So for us, it was a no-brainer because we were like, people actually are going to want this product. Right. Even though the industry doesn't see it, the consumer actually is going to love this. And that was a success of any time is that people did love it and the memberships were great and the business model was sustainable and the franchisees did well because the consumers wanted our product. Right. So starting where the consumer is. So starting are. where the consumer is. And yeah. yoga for me was all around what are the pain points in the yoga industry and it is people are scared to go into studios. Mm -hmm. um, they are not sure what's going to happen when they get in there because all yoga, yoga is so different. It's so fragmented in terms of studios, in terms of types of teaching, in terms of what you're going to get when you get on a mat. So that creates even more fear for someone entering into that is like, I don't even know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I really wanted to create a consistent yoga experience that took them out of being fearful about coming in because our classes are pre-choreographed so that they know what they're going to get. Um, and so we really came at it from the consumer's point of view and not what's happening in the yoga industry. 
Yeah, right. So yeah. Starting, so with, starting with starting with the the person that you actually want to attract versus what's happening in the industry. Yeah. So, so that then gives you confidence when people are going, "This isn't going to work." Is actually we're looking at who the consumer is yeah. and what they want. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So a big part of um, I think who you are is actually bringing your own creativity to those places, to the business that you're looking at, to the to the work that you do. How important is creativity for you personally? Oh, it, it's, I mean, it's everything for me in terms of business. And I think that I get bored really quickly if we're not creating something or mm. moving or changing something to be better. And, and I think that that's what drives, you know, that's what drives successful businesses. They're trying to always think, how can we actually do this better? Why are we doing that like that? Why don't we try something different? Mm. So for me, it's first and foremost, if I'm not creating, then I'm it's not going to be sustainable for me to, to have the business or to, to be in a role. Yeah. Um, that's just the way that, yeah, that's just the way that I operate. What gets in the way of other people being creative? Because you see it in businesses and I love that you're kind of challenging that, but you do see other people going, well, I have to do it the way it's always been done. I'm not allowed to kind of buck the trend here or I, I am allowed to, but if I do, I'm, I'm running the risk of it might not work. What yeah. gets in the way of other people from people that you've connected with? I think um, I think two things. Either people are fearful to try something new in case it doesn't work. So the fear of failure is, is probably mm-hmm. the first thing that I think stops people trying something different or being creative. And then the second thing is people saying, I'm not creative. Like I just, I, there's just, I, there's no part of me that could create something new. Um, and I think everybody's creative. I think that we, as kids, we're all creative and we just, yeah. we get stuck in, you know, an education system that, that doesn't support that. We get stuck in a role where you have to stay within the box and stay within the lines. And I think that we just lose our sense of creativity. Um, but I think fear of failure is absolutely why people don't want to do something different. Because yeah. it's like, well, how will it look if I fail? Um, what will it mean? And, and and they think through all the things that could go wrong and then they, and then, then you're not going to do, do it. Yeah. yeah. Are you scared of failure? No, I don't really. I think, you know, when you've had businesses that have failed and you just recognise that, oh, well, like that, that didn't work and now yeah. what am I going to do next? And you just move on. It actually in the whole scheme of your life, it actually doesn't matter. So I think you get used to just thinking, oh, well, that didn't work, so I'll just try something else. So yeah. I don't actually see, I don't really see it as failure. I just think it was, oh, that wasn't, a, that wasn't great. Let's just, you know, shift and move and try something else. So I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't actually worry me at all. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Has that always been part or is that kind of something that's I think that's as I've gotten older, from... I've gotten better yeah. at, at um, I think I care a lot less now about how things are perceived or what it would mean if, what would people think? I think when yeah. you're younger, you get a little bit caught in, what's well, going to look really bad if I, yeah. you know, if I start a business and then I close it down or how's that, how are people going to see me? Yeah. Whereas I think as you get older, you're like, I actually don't really care what people think. And if I fail, then, you know, every, with every business, business, there's risk. So you have to be willing to step into that. Yeah, and I imagine when you've done that, it kind of comes with that, actually, life didn't fall apart. I'm still here. Yeah, actually, it doesn't um, really matter. Really okay. It actually didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, okay, I want to do another business, might need yeah. some investors, and you just move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So it comes with that experience. I guess um, you're probably one of the most on-purpose people that I know when it comes mm-hmm. to things that you're really passionate about and things that you're really kind of connected with. Um, again, and, you know, you and I have kind of spoken about listening to that inner voice, you know, being really true to mm-hmm. what matters to you and, and what's really key. Um, how does that inform what you're even doing now and, and moving forward in the work that you're doing? I think... Um I think year on year it becomes more and more important and it's it's probably easier for me. And I think, you know, I think when I was younger it was always 
an idea or a concept that I really, really enjoyed thinking about and, and felt drawn to, but then I would dismiss it and go on with business as usual and, and, you know, what had to be done and thinking what I should do. And I think the more that that pops up in your life and the more that the one thing keeps reoccurring and it, and it, and it keeps coming back and it's not going away as an idea, I think I've learnt to trust that a lot quicker as I've gotten older in terms of what I really want to do and what I what I should be doing in yep. terms of what I believe my purpose is. Um so I think now it informs pretty much everything I do. Right. Is 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 how do I feel about that? Do I really want to do that, um, or am I doing it because I should do it? Right. Um, so I've tried to really drop out the things that you should do that because it would mean this, this, and this. If I really don't feel to do it, I now just go. I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Even if sometimes it seems like you should do it. How often do the shoulds like hold people back? All the time. And I know it plays in my head even just yeah. going, oh, well, I should, you know, I'm starting up a business, so it needs to be run like this. And that's yeah. why everyone else has kind of done yeah. it. Um, and it's so liberating to get to the point of going, oh, no, I don't have to do it that way. Have there been any kind of aha moments that you can think of, like moments where you've gone, um, this is a decision I need to make or come back to really trusting that intuition? Yeah, I think... Um you know, when, so I have three kids. So when my third child was, you know, three, four months old and I, 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 other than board meetings, hadn't really been involved in any time. And I was just, I just remember catching myself. I think I was, I think we were away on a holiday and I just remember catching myself thinking, yeah, well, well, you've got three children and, you know, it's pretty busy. And I just remember the dialogue in my head of saying all the restrictions in my head as to why I I shouldn't. Mm -hmm do what I really felt to do, which was actually probably go back to work and, and start to create and, and start to create something that I really wanted to do. And that's when I really caught myself in, oh, my God, how have I got myself into this should mentality? Yeah. Um, and that was a really big decision for me then because I just remember thinking, well, I can either sit here and keep thinking about what I should do or I can actually just decide that I do have enough time I'm going to get a full-time nanny and I'm actually going to do what I really want to do and that's what's going to happen. So that was a big that was a big shift Huge. for me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was massive to just recognize that I was the only thing that was holding myself back and then I just needed to step in. It's huge to get to that point of going it's yeah. it's actually I'm the only thing because yeah. there is and there wouldn't be a person who wouldn't go, totally makes sense, you've got three kids, you've got a bit like, you know, there's so yeah. much going on, um, just chill out, just, yeah. you know, like don't do, so, don't do anything else. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what has helped you? Like you mentioned getting a nanny, like so imagining that moment of just like all-consuming busyness. Yeah. You mentioned getting a nanny to be able to help with that. What other choices or, you know, I guess what other advice would you give other, whether it's business women or yeah. kind of corporate women who are in the same boat, where they're going, you know, life's busy enough. Why yeah. would I actually follow that thing that actually on the inside is I'm being pulled yeah, towards to do? And I think, I think for me that moment was really recognizing I just need to choose mm-hmm. what I want to do, and and then once I've decided something, then it's then it's pretty much done. So I I, I tend not to doubt myself once I've made a, a true decision that yeah. that was really what I needed to do. And interesting that that was a time when, um, you know, I applied to go on the, the immersion trip that we went yeah. on in Malawi. And I think that was, I think every choice leads to another choice. And, and once you make one, I guess one bold or brave choice, 
then it opens a door that just was not open to you previously. And I think that I really believe that following that gut instinct of I really want to do this and, I, and I'm going to do it, even if you don't even know how big that is or what that is going to lead to is the first step and then something else will emerge and you'll be like, oh, my God, I did not think that was going to happen and yeah. then having to step again into, into another choice. So I think... You know, one small choice that doesn't feel small, like that's big to get a nanny, was a big thing for me to go, okay, I actually want to invest my time and energy each day into creating something was actually the decision. Yeah. Um, and that's led to the last two years of, 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 I guess, what's happened, but it started with one choice. Yeah. Which, which was that. It's really the choice, but then getting into action as well. It's like, yep. okay, I'm going to pick it. up the phone or I'm going to send that email or yep. I'm going to apply and actually getting to that Correct. momentum. Yeah. Um, and I love how you say it's really about doing that without having any clue of what the end goal is going to be, without yeah. that kind of clarity of this is the perfect plan, all I need to do is now execute. Actually, yeah. I just need to do this first, yeah. first thing yeah. and see. I think otherwise we just get too fearful of making the the, the step because we think about all the things that have to be in place before that would work out to be yeah. the right decision and I think we just need to acknowledge that, that that's what I really feel to do. My gut, my gut right now is saying this is what you should do and trusting that and moving forward and I think that um, that's what enables you to move forward quickly and yeah. I think and that what en- that's what enables other things to actually come into play that were never going to be there if you hadn't made the first choice. So I think I've learned over the years to really not need to know what's going to happen in a year's time or two years' time mm-hmm. um, because it, you probably won't end up there anyway. Yeah, right. Life, life yeah. always takes you in a div- on a different <clears throat> yep. journey. So I've learned yeah. just to go, I really feel like that's the next step. I'm just going to do that. I often say that to people. It's like the job that you're in now, even if you're in the exact same job with the exact same people, it won't be the same like in 12 months' time. Correct. It'll be completely different. Correct. Life's going to be completely different. Yeah. And so actually really liberating, yeah. isn't it, when you open yeah. that up? Yeah. And it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. It's exciting that things are never going to be the way that you think they're going to be in the future because things just change. Which therefore, Which I can always make new choices. Always. There's always that opportunity to Correct. kind of open up to something new. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned Malawi. So obviously we got to share an amazing experience we over did. there and as part of the Business Chicks Emotion and Leadership Program. And I was only telling you, it's actually exactly two years to the day you know, that's today crazy. that we're in the recording <laughs> studio, which is crazy. <laughs> and what's happened in those two years? So I guess tell me a little bit about what was your experience from what we we did over in Malawi yeah. um, connecting with the Hunger Project? Yeah, I think, you know, the decision to go on the trip would have been same for you. Like it's, mm. it's it, that's a big, bold decision to put yourself, you know, with a group of people that you don't know, travelling yeah. to a country to see, uh, you know, um, an organisation that's trying to end world hunger. So yeah. it's like that's not a small decision that it's you want to make. It's audacious and bold, you know, it's right? Like, yeah. okay, you're putting yourself out that's there. That's out of your comfort zone. Mm. So for me that was part of the journey, definitely taking that trip and I think being on the ground, um, you know, connecting with the the people that work for the Hunger Project in Malawi but also connecting with the people in the community um, definitely, changed, definitely changed my life in terms of what my drive was and you know, through those workshops that we did. The Hunger Project, what kept coming up for me was really business. I want to be a voice for business for good. I really want to, I really want to have um, impact in that space. And I didn't even know what that meant. I just kept thinking that's just what kept yeah. coming up for me yep. was business for good um, and how, how impactful businesses can be around social change. Yeah. And it was always and something that I was interested in before I went to Malawi. Yeah. Is that because you've seen business not for good, like in terms of is it actually 
shifting yeah, the paradigm th- about th- how we do business? Yeah, I think that, I think that um, once again, consumer-led, I think that as consumers, we want businesses to stand for more than profit. Yeah. Um, so that's the driving force that I think is actually going to create social change within businesses. It may not come from the current CEOs or founders of businesses, that, but I think from the consumer, the trend is just going to be the businesses that are for more, are more than just for profit are going to be more successful. So that was just my, that was just where I saw business at, yeah. you know, two years ago and definitely more now. Um, and I'd heard you know, I'd heard a few years before that, I heard um, Muhammad Yunus speak around social business. And that was just so intriguing to me that a man had started such a massive business that was all just f- just for good. There's mm. no profit. And I just remember thinking, he's just tra- transformed, you know, millions of millions of lives using a business model. So that fascinates me. Yeah. Um, that business can be to the degree of a social business or even just the business can contribute more than profit. And I think that employees want it. Yeah. Um, they want to be connected to something more than, you know, what goes into their shareholders' pockets because that's, you know, that's not that inspiring as an employee, let's be real. No, yeah. Um, and I think the consumers are like, well, that's great that you've got a great product, but what else are you doing in the world? Yeah. And I think that, that you know, I think about my 16-year-old daughter and that, commu- that you know, that era of that, those generations of kids are just not going to stand for anything less than you better be doing something freaking cool. Yeah. Um, Which is a beautiful call to arms, yeah. right? Like yeah. Actually so go, I think that that's where, I think that's where the shift is happening, and I think that's it's only going to grow and grow and grow. And I think the the more we see of companies like Tom's, who was so far ahead of anything to do with business for good, um, just the rise of that conversation within the business community is is getting you know is getting a lot of noise and is getting a lot of traction. So yeah, and I know you're me. part of the conversation of going the other way as well. That charities also need to have a business mindset. Correct. In order to be sustainable and continue to do the amazing work that they do. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been so interesting for me um, dealing with non-for-profits. Mm. Um, really interesting because there's no business mindset there, which is like, so that's not sustainable either. No. So it's just, it's just such an interesting space to be able to look at. Yeah, ask for donations and yeah. hope, right? Let's and, and, yeah, which is just, you know, that's, that's not that's not how things are going to get done. Mm. Um, so it's really trying to find the organisations that are creating real change and real sustainable change and that are really commercial in their approach that's, um, that's challenging when you're actually looking at organisations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. take me back to Malawi. It's this deeper, even passion for business for good kept coming up. What, what next from that experience? So um, I was lucky enough, or we were lucky enough to spend time with Cathy Burke, who yeah. was the CEO of Hunger Project in Australia at the time, and, you know, had a conversation with Cathy. You know, anyone that has ever met Cathy Burke knows that that's going to lead to you committing to something. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's going to back you in a corner with a cup of tea. That's what she does. <laughs> um, so I made a really big commitment to her to really contribute over the next five years to the Hunger Project, and that was, the, that was really the first step. And then the second step after that was to, okay, well, I actually need a foundation if I'm actually going to do this properly. Mm-hmm. So Humankind Project was born, um, yeah, about six months after we got back from Malawi. Yeah. And what is Humankind Project? So we connect businesses with 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 causes. So okay. we work with the best non for profits that I can find um, that are delivering real change, real social change, and we help entrepreneurs connect to a greater, I guess, a greater purpose and know that 
we've looked into the charity, we've looked into the organisation, we've looked into what's actually being done and driven and looking at the results. So they feel comforted that they haven't had to do the research. Yeah. Um, they're also part of a group of entrepreneurs, I guess, together that we're doing something great. So I think there's a real sense of belonging to the Humankind Project. I um, mean, we sort of sit in the middle just to really match those conversations because the one thing I've learned is entrepreneurs and non-for-profits speak completely different languages. Um, and so we're in the middle trying to really mitigate how we're going to amplify the cause but and then and then help the business really embed that into their business. So that's that's what we do. Powerful conversations. Yeah, it must be really yeah, really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's so that's just growing from strength to strength. Yeah, so that I guess we it's it's a unique it's actually we found ourselves in a unique space. We haven't found a lot of our organisations, even in the US, that are that are doing what we're doing. So yep. we're kind of just finding our own way through, I guess, through through developing, um, but having some really cool entrepreneurs wanting to get engaged, yeah. um, going into the US, yeah, US going is in, that yeah, on the so um, maybe there's a few there's a few conversations, but I think. Yeah, the more our projects expand in terms of what we are trying to support and fund, I think the more that that will, yeah, the more that that will grow in terms of the the amount of businesses and entrepreneurs engaged. So it's exci- yeah. it's really exciting. Yeah. So co-founder of Anytime, um, founder of Urban Yoga and founder of the Humankind Project, three kids um, yeah. and you, your fitness and your own um, health are top priority. How do you fit it all in? Like what, you know, you talk about busyness, it's turned up at your doorstep. <laughs> what are the ways that you, you I guess, manage and, and uh, juggle those balls? I, um, I don't even, I think, I think what I do, I think I, what I do pretty well is I'm able to prioritise really well. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, at any given day or week within a month, I can, pretty quickly determine what I should be really putting my time and energy into because if you were to write a to-do list, it would go on for like 10 pages. So I think it's really learning what are my key priorities at the moment and what is my fo- where does my focus need to be today. Mm-hmm. Um, that keeps my busyness down because I just, I really don't try and do everything because one, you can't and two, you don't need to. Um, so some things sometimes with that we write down, we think it's a priority. When you look at it two days later, you're like, that so doesn't even matter. Um, so I'm really good at prioritising. Yeah. I outsource a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. I've got a great PA um, that enables me to not get stuck in in detailed stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've got a really good group of support people that I, that, you know, if I need anything done, I just know I can trust and rely on them. So that's really important to me that I can trust the people that I work really closely with. Yeah. Um, to get done what needs to get done, I don't need to be over across everything. So mm. I think prioritising having a great team is really is really big. Um, and I'm pretty scheduled with my calendar. I always and, and like I always make sure there's space in my diary. I do I do really poorly if I'm back to back in meetings. I yeah. don't. It doesn't serve me. Yeah. So I think getting to know what gives me energy and what takes away energy is something that's been really key in the last two years for me to know what I actually really need in my day to be effective. Right. Yeah. Um, and then. And then I manage sure that. I really that manage happens. that. Yeah, yeah. I really, if I have to move things out of my diary, I just do. It's just like, I. there's too many meetings that day. We just need to move something. Okay. Rather than when I was younger, I would be like, oh, well, what can you do? It's really busy. We just have to get everything done. Whereas now I'm like, no, that's not going to, that's yeah. not going to serve me. So tell me, how do you, because that's beautiful boundary setting. It's actually mm. knowing myself well enough for me to have the energy to be really part of this meeting. Yeah. I need to have some space yeah. beforehand. Yeah. How do you deal with people pushing back on that boundary? When they go, Jacinta, I need you here yeah. at this time. Um, I don't have anyone in my team that does that mm-hmm. because I think that I've 
uh, very rarely does someone say, I really, I know you're meant to be doing this, but I really need you to do this. It just, it doesn't seem to happen anymore. I think maybe because of yep. the team I've got around me and the way that I kind of work, people tend to go, when can we schedule time? Yeah. So I really try and avoid that. Oh, I just lost half an hour. I thought I was going to have to, you know, I really, I really try and stay true to, I really try and stay true to my diary. So it sounds like you've been clear with them from yeah, the start. Yeah, they know. Go, Sometimes the I'll is. just be like, I've got to go, I'll be back in an hour, and I just leave because it's just like I just, I'm not going to serve anybody if I try yep. and sit here and just muddle through because I haven't got clear thinking. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I'm the first to recognise it and then I just do whatever I feel like I need to do because it's just, it doesn't serve anybody yeah. if, I'm not, if I'm not feeling like I'm, I'm like I'm in flow and I'm balanced. It's just so not important gonna... to give yourself um, permission to do that yeah. though, and I don't yeah. know about you, but I certainly come across women who just don't even do that. Yeah. Um, so actually pause and go, I've got permission to, it's really okay. No one's actually going to tap me on the shoulder and go, you know what, I can yeah. go and have an hour yeah, just yeah, to yourself because yeah. I can see yeah, you need to chill out. No one's going to do that. So yeah. I think we need to, but the, the, the most powerful way for me to acknowledge that was I'm actually not serving myself or anybody mm-hmm. by not doing it. So it's actually detrimental if I was to ignore it. So yeah. the thing for me that flipped my thinking around it was it's not. It's not a luxury. It's actually a, necess- a necessity yeah, for me right. to actually have that time. So yep. otherwise, I'm just going to have a terrible day, the whole day. So it's like I might as well just take half an hour to get myself sorted, get myself back. into a headspace, and then I'm back, and then I can be productive again. So I think flipping it in your head to be it's not a luxury. It's it's just part of what I need. Yeah. Um, I think that's really powerful. It's non-negotiable. Yeah. Has it's to non-negotiable. happen. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking before about, you know, seeing it, stepping into that space of standout where you're really clear about what you're doing and you're making kind of progress. But one of the costs of being in that space is letting go of your old identity yeah. of who you've been. Yeah. And one of the ways can be that I was always the person that said, yes, I had back-to-back meetings yeah. and now I'm not. Um, are there other ways that maybe your identity has shifted whilst, you know, as you've yeah. um, had more on your plate, as there's been more businesses, that businesses have grown? Yeah, I think, you know, a, a, a big thing for me was probably... Actually, it was it was probably two years ago, just, or it was just over two years ago before we went to Malawi, and I remember we had... Um, an anytime conference. So, you know, we have all, hundreds of franchisees come in. It's a really big deal. And I was presenting on something and I was raising money at the time for our trip to Malawi. Mm. And I really struggled with the thought of, okay, well, I'm going to speak to this. Um, and that for me was a big shift in identity because yeah. they saw me as just absolutely the co-founder of Anytime Fitness. And now all of a sudden I was this woman that was talking around poverty and hunger. Right. So that was a really interesting, yeah, exactly. So that was a really interesting process for me. And I think, you know, it's really scary. I think the first time you go, my God, I'm doing something that's different and how is this perceived by people? And and how do I feel about, you know, moving into something that's new? Um, So I think it can be, it can be scary to, to let go of something that you feel is, you know, part of what you what you've done and I think but recognising it's not who you are. It's just something yeah. that you've done. Like I am the co-founder of any time but that's not who I am. Right. So I think sometimes we can get caught in, well, that's what I do, so that's who I am yeah. and, and it's actually not. Well, in Australia, right, it's one of the first questions people ask what you. What do you it's do? Like, oh, my God, yeah, I so hate that question. Who are you and what do you do? And our identity is just tangled in that. Yeah. And it took me ages. It took me, you know, the last two years, well, the last since I opened the yoga studio, I just, I just, I got so sick of the conversation of what do you do and then the conversation around any time. It's not that I'm not proud of it. It's just that... It doesn't represent who I am, so I don't want to have a five-minute dialogue about how many studios there are. and Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. So I got to the point where I wouldn't say it because I'm yep. like, 
I don't want you to just see me in that way. There's so many parts to me and I think that I've stopped asking people what they do because I'm actually not interested. No. Well, I've heard... um Hey, I need to embrace it a bit more myself, but I know Elizabeth Gilbert goes down with the question of what's exciting you at the moment. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful question just to go, okay, it's not about, it might even be about work. It might be that my kids colouring in is really exciting (laughs) when they're out. Because I think that it just, and it's a stale conversation. Like it doesn't lead anywhere that's super exciting. No. And it doesn't tell me about you. It doesn't tell me about you as a person. It tells me what you do, what what you've chosen to do at this point in time Mm. um, versus actually what you, what you want to do. Yeah, you know, and I think where it's, you're going, and it speaks to that um, identity is always being reinvented and, and evolving and changing and, and expanding. So yeah, even for yourself, probably where you'll be in twelve months' time will be somewhere totally different. Have you experienced, I guess, with that shift of the old identity and and, and stepping into who you are and really comfortable in your own skin? Has there been a shift in the relationships and the connections with others that you've had? Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, I think that's been a really big thing, massive thing for me actually in the last two years in terms of I think some people are really comfortable with your old identity and really yeah. comfortable with the way things have been and, and there's comfort in that. Well, we've been friends for 15 years and like I just, you know, it's always been the same. So I think that um, a lot of my relationships definitely shifted when I just chose to do things differently or yeah. that I really wanted to you know, just really follow what I felt to do. And I think that that serves some relationships and it doesn't serve some other relationships. And I think that um, the Was people... that hard? Yeah, I think it is. But I think that there's just this driving force that you just really want to do what you want to do. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that there's sometimes people feel guilty about how that impacts other people. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can serve anyone in your life really well unless you're truly doing what you want to do. And that includes my kids, you know. For me, it's all about me showing them the best version of myself versus being who... I think they think I should be, which is not going to serve anybody. No. <laughs> yeah. And you're not teaching what's them society? anything. You're teaching them to do what society does and that's yeah. what you, you know, to follow rules. So for me it's always about it may not be the most conventional upbringing for my kid that my kids have, but I want them to see the best version of myself and that means that I need to do what I need to do and I love them dearly, um, but it's not necessarily the way others would see it as, as the way to raise kids. But what a way, and I just got goosebumps when you were talking about that as well, because um, when you're the best version of you, you kind of go, isn't that the ultimate you want for our kids? Yeah, because your kids don't listen to what you say. They watch what you do. Yeah. And they can see what you stand for by your actions, not by your words. So um, I just always want to show them why I want it, that I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, regardless of anything else. Because that's the life you want your kids to leave. To live is the most passionate life that they're, that, and to do what they really want to do and to be truly happy. Yeah. So I don't think you can do that unless you're striving for that in your own life. But again, it's giving that permission to it. And I know yeah. I've definitely caught up in conversations with um, particularly, you know, influential women who go, oh, well, I'm doing what I I'm love and passionate about and it's, and it's working, but it's also I feel like I'm missing out or there's this yeah. other calling that I don't think I can listen to at the moment because the timing's not right or it doesn't suit my kids or yeah. this, that and the other. Um, so it's getting in the way of where people need to get to yeah. rather than actually giving that permission to go, I can do what I need to do in that yeah. space. Yeah. yeah. Um, beautiful. So in terms of 
What we know is some of the stats in research around women in executive roles and in kind of leadership roles are not where they should be. Um, They're well below par here in Australia. You've obviously sat on a number of boards. You've been in in top executive positions. You currently are. What gets in the way of women stepping into those roles or what are the the ways that um, we need to improve that here in Australia? I think there's... There's there's two things. Um, a lot of men in senior roles still they really have an unconscious bias. They're not even aware that they have a bias when they're recruiting, mm-hmm. um, which I think is part of the problem. Is is that there's no awareness around it. Yeah. Um, and there's no rulings or governance in our country to try and change that. Um, whereas in other countries, if you, if you look in India, they've obviously recognised there's, there's gender equality, inequality. So there's there's, there's rules in, uh, around that. Um, you look at Sweden and places like that that have, you know, the most equal society and there's rules and regulations around it. Yeah. So there's two, and I, I can't see our government doing that, but um, part of the problem is, one, there's no governance. Two, men don't even know that mm-hmm. they are being biased when they're making a decision. So un- unconscious kind They're of, just completely yeah. unconscious. So, yeah. um, and then the third thing is women don't step up into roles and, and I think put themselves forward. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, a, a, a man typically will put himself forward for a role feeling like he can grow into it, whereas I think a woman feels like, well, I'm not quite prepared so I won't go for the job. So I think yeah. that we, we're definitely part of the problem and I, th- I don't think we can point our fingers at yeah. you know, just the guys in the world. Um, and I think we need to acknowledge that, you know, for our lifetime, probably, hopefully not, it's going to be a push and we can't expect it to be given to us um, and that we need to create change as well and, and, and recognise that it, sometimes it is challenging. Yeah. Like I'm sometimes on a board and I'm the only female. Yeah. Um, and what's your biggest challenges in that space? Challenges we just think differently. Yeah, right. Like we we yeah. just do, which is the beauty of a, of a diverse board. Yeah, um, which is why there should which be Which is half. why there should be, <laughs> yeah, yeah which was why there should be more of us. But I think we need to be stronger than a man in a board situation like that to be able to stand up and speak out yeah. when nobody sees what you see. Yeah. Um, so we actually need to be stronger than the men in, right. those, in those roles, in my yeah. opinion, to be able to just really push through and get our point across because yeah. a lot of the times in my, you know, in a lot of mine, I'm the only person that will see something in a different light. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's not accepted at the board, it's just that it won't get seen. Right. They so just, how have just... you put your opinion forward? I think you just, I just speak honestly and openly to say I can, like, I can see that. However, have we thought about this or has this been looked at? And a lot of the time it's, oh, that's a great idea. No, it hasn't even been thought about. Right. So I think you get confident by doing it. And then yeah. over time, I think you get looked to for those types of solutions or those types of uh, insights. Yeah. Um, but that takes years as well to actually sit on a board and be able to, you yeah. know, to be able to go through that. But I think... Because um, it wouldn't to, have been like that when you started, right? No, and I think that we need to acknowledge that we will see things differently and that's our strength, it's not our weakness. We don't yep. need to play like the boys in the boys' club. Yeah. Um, we need to play our the way we are and okay. that's our strength. So yep. I think that sometimes we feel like we need to be more man-like yeah. um, and I don't think we do. I think the actual opposite is true. We need to, you know, be empowered by our own female strength yeah. Um, to see things the way that we see them and to say them the way that we want to say them. Which I can imagine takes a huge amount of power to hold yourself in yeah. that space yeah. and not get pulled into, um, particularly if you are the only female in the room and you are seeing it differently. Um, yeah, and I remember when I went back both times after the kids back into, you know, straight back into board meetings and mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we can lose a lot of our power when we're out of the workforce for, a, you know, even a few months with, with a young baby and yeah. you haven't had, you know, what it's like when you've got young yeah, babies. Yeah, yeah, your confidence is and your confidence is just down and, you, and, and you know, to be able to really change. come back in over, you know, is just really being able to bring your whole self back again to work and, and step back into your power. And I think that we need to learn to do that after after kids yeah. and, and, and all the time. But it's challenging. Like, I get it. Like, I get that that's really hard to just come straight back in and feel like, right, I'm all over this. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're not sleeping and you've got a baby, like, you're not all over it. Like, mm. let's be real. Um, but it's it's really being able to acknowledge that you're still worthy of having your opinion. You're still worthy to speak even. Yeah. And it's just getting yourself back to feeling like you're in your power that's... That's that's hard. Yeah, it yeah. is hard. Yeah. So trusting that. Yeah. So again, I guess having your team around you or your tribe yeah. around you becomes even more yeah. important. Absolutely. In that space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have there been, um, you know, without naming names, is there kind of types of people in your tribe that you have sought out, whether they've been mentors or is it friends and colleagues who, who are the ones that become that yeah, go-to think, for you? I think definitely, you know, seeking out people that... Um, a living on purpose has been something really big for me in the last yeah. two years in terms of like I can see that what they are doing is completely matched to what they say that they want to do in the world. Um, people that are living a life, I guess, less consumed by what they should do and actually just doing something because they really love it. Yeah. So they're definitely the people that I seek out um, and spend a lot less time with people that are still, I guess, working out what they want to do but have been stuck in that same working out what they want to do for 10 years. Right. I we find, were saying that before, yeah, right? Like, you know, yeah. I've heard this, I've heard this 10 times. I've actually times. heard the story <laughs> 10 times and I have no more energy for it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, really seeking out people that you admire that are just doing things that you're like, I don't even understand how they're, how they're doing that and really just reaching out and say, hey, can we have a coffee? Yeah. And really starting to, and then, you know, that's uncomfortable to hugely do that. Hugely uncomfortable. Yeah, hugely yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> like, um, but it's really important. I just yeah. think it's you know you you can't you can't not ask the questions that you want to ask. And have you found that people want to have a completely coffee? receptive? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you ask and they're like, sure, and you're like, well, that was easy. Or yeah. was, you know, what, what was I so fearful of? Yeah, why did I wait six months Correct. to do that? <laughs> so I think that's been a big thing for me is really looking at yeah. where you invest your time and energy with your relationships, and because um, you can't get that time and energy back. Yeah, true, right? We get like 24 we hours get a day. We get 24 hours a day, so done. you want it to be with the most empowering people yeah. that you can support, that are supporting you in the way that, you know, in the way that you want to live your life. That, that yeah. ma- And I think it makes a massive difference. Yeah, so writing down that choices. list, who do yeah. I want to connect with? Yeah. And you've connected with some amazing people, like you spent a bit of time with Richard Branson over at Necker Island and, and as well as other amazing business people here in Australia and over in the US. Uh, what have those moments brought to your life oh, and to your thinking? I think... Um, you know, NECA, like Emma Isaacs is, you know, huge. I'm a huge fan of, of everything that Emma does. And I think times like that, you just, you just realise they're actually just people. Yeah. They're actually just people doing yeah. something that is, is really cool. Yeah. Um, but with then their when own you get to, self-doubts, yeah, with their with own you, concerns. Yeah, when you get to hear the stories, it's just like, oh, my God, they're just, they are doing amazing things, but they, you know, the speakers that we listen to on NECA, other than, you know, Richard was great, he did a Q&A, but the other presenters were 
even more phenomenal to listen to their stories um, and how humble they are as humans and and what they're doing and why. And they were all completely on purpose of why they were so driven to create the the businesses that they did. And it wasn't from a, I want to get $50 million in two years. It was, that was never the vision. The vision was always, this is what should be done. And this is what I want to create. So I think that just gives you a lot of comfort that going with what you really feel to do is, is the best business plan versus looking at something and copying it and changing it by 20% and thinking that you're going to be ultimately hugely successful. <laughs> Put my name on the top yeah, and then it's yeah, done. And it's like <laughs> that's not really going to do anything. Yeah. So I think times like that you just realise that they're actually just people like we are um, and they've just made certain choices that have led them to, to live the lives that they're leading. Which is that mirror that goes, all I need to do, I don't have to copy them, I don't have to, all I need to do is get clear on yeah. what matters. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's the way that I try and raise my kids is you you are your own unique person and you need to celebrate that every day because mm. we're all so different um, and you shouldn't try to be like anybody else because that's that's not your strength and it's not who you are. It might be their strength and you might admire it, but yeah. at the end of the day you have your own unique abilities and you'll do your own amazing things in your own way um, and not get caught in, well, he did that, so that looks I should do that too. So I think that's it's for all of us. Yeah, yeah, and we've got to role model that, yeah, as you say. Yeah, we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's some of your advice that you would give to um, really busy women who are overwhelmed with the sheer amount of stuff yeah. on their plate? Yeah. Um, what's some of that advice that you would give to them? I think, you know, for me, um, you know, if if you're at the end of your life, however old we're going to be because we don't actually know, it could be tomorrow, um, and you were to look back with, you know, what you achieved in your life, mm-hmm. um, I think that's r- really set some clear priorities in terms of where well, you wouldn't spend it maybe washing the dishes and you maybe wouldn't spend it spending four hours a week cleaning your house. Right, like no. you'd spend it playing <laughs> with your kids maybe. Yeah. Um, and really getting clear on what you actually really truly value. Yeah. And I think that we can get so busy that we don't see any other way other than the way that we're doing things. Um which just really isn't the truth. It's just that's the way it is. It doesn't mean that's the way it has to be. And I think the moment we can let go of, well, I have to do that because everything's a choice. Hmm. Every single thing that we do from the moment that we get up is actually a choice. Yeah. So we need to get out of the mindset of, well, I can't afford to have that, so I just have to do this because that will keep us bound for that for 30 years without actually choosing, well, maybe I do want to earn an extra $100 a week or $200 a week so I can do this and this and this. And that choice, making that choice opens up a whole different perspective as to what you actually are going to do versus just accepting that, oh, well, I, you know, I can't do that and be resigned to the fact. Yeah. So I think we just need to know that we are choosing every moment of our life. Yeah. Um, and that we are, we can do anything that we want if we just choose to take a different direction than what we've done in the last 10 days or 10 years. Yeah. Um, so at any point in time, we can just choose a different experience. And often when we do make that choice that serves us best, we don't go back, do we? Like I know for me, like even the basics of, um, I remember getting a cleaner, it fundamentally changed what I could give to my business and what I could give Correct. my kids. Um, and there's no way I'll ever go back because no. ironing, you know, ironing clothes is just not what I was put no. on this planet to do, let alone no. um, cooking or yeah. Yeah, cleaning. So, so I think once you let go of it, you're right, you absolutely can't go back because you then acknowledge that, 
I really shouldn't have been doing that for all those years yeah. and that was actually not where my time should have been valued. Let alone resenting it and then Let alone hating that. it. And then yeah. the energy, you know, the energy that you go into doing things that you hate yeah. is ten times, like it's just draining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not even just the time, and energy, the time and energy that it takes to do the task. It's actually afterwards you're like, oh, my God, that was like, it's like it's terrible. It's exhausting. It's and exhausting. Then, and yeah. then you're tired to do anything that you actually really want to do. Yeah. So it's not only just that time, it's the time that you've just not spent investing in something that gives you energy. Yeah, yeah, So mine, yeah. you know, yeah, your choices for me are always around does it give me energy or does it take away my energy because I just really hate doing things that take away my energy. Yeah, and even writing that down sometimes when we see it in black and white, yeah. um, and that's when it smacks us around the head and go, Absolutely. okay, yeah. why like, am I choosing Why am I actually this? doing that? Yeah. Why have I chosen to do that because I don't need to do that? Yeah. I can find a way where I, that's not part of what I do. Yeah, and yeah. what actually energises me is Correct. often within our control. It's not, Absolutely. you know, amazing trip to Europe as much as that. It's fantastic and it does energise us, but often it's just that day-to-day sort of stuff yeah. too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Thank you for chatting and connecting. So as you know, the name of this podcast is called Stand Out Life. So if I were to ask you the question, what does it mean for you to live a standout life? What comes to mind? Um, for me, it's it's living life on purpose. So for me, it's mm-hmm. all about doing something that is in is empowering me and for me that's empowering others. Um, but really staying connected and that just gives you energy every day to keep doing what has to be done to get, if it's social change or if it's to get, you know, your business to the next level, yeah. um, without that sense of purpose, you're always going to lose energy. And I just think for me, that's just what makes things so easy Yeah. Um, because you're on a journey that you know why you're on the journey. And, you know, sometimes it's hard, but it doesn't matter. You just keep going. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's, that's what it would mean. Beautiful. Thank you, Jacina. That was fantastic. Thanks, Ali. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.